Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is a boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on the awesome and international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, season 7, episode number 9. And today's topic is I stand with the UAW workers. You will know shortly the type of wine I am drinking. So, ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go. Alright, ladies and gents, once again, this is a boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome and international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 7, Episode number 9. And the topic again is, I stand with the UAW workers. Today is Sept Saturday, September the 30th, the 30th, 2023, and the weather here in Orlando... <laughs> We'll be with some clouds in the morning, give away to the mainly sunny skies in the afternoon. Highs of 74 and lowers of 53, 54. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, fall is here, finally. It's still hot in Florida, though. But I'm just bragging that it's going to be lowest 50 at night. That's a nice, good weather over here after this hot summer you had here in Florida. But before I jump right on the topic of the day, ladies and gents, I will let you know about the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova. And ladies and gents, today we are heading to Greece. I was at Total Wine looking for a new wine for a country that I never had it before. So I found this wine. It's a Greek wine. I believe the brand is Hermes, and the wine name is Mavrodaphne of Patras. It's a red dessert wine. It's a vintage of 2020, and alcohol percentage per volume is 15% alcohol, ladies and gents. And according to the label in the back, it states that the red sweet PWO wine is considered to be one of the Greece's most famous wines. Great full-bodied yet delicate dessert wine with a deep red color. A wine whose long-standing tradition we are proud to continue. Suggest so serving the temperature is temperature of 10 Celsius. You can do your conversion and find out what it is in Fahrenheit. So once again, alcohol percentage of this wine is, is 15% and it's a vintage of 2022. So like I say, first time having this wine right here. So let's find out what the Greeks famous red dessert wine is all about. 
Ooh la la. Just a second, let me close this bottle right here. Okay. Is the red color, ladies and gents, is not too. It's not like a a, a mer a merlot a malbec like dark red, almost purple. It more, it looks like a little bit like the color of coffee to me, but. All right, ladies and those that do not know, dessert wines are always sweet. And this one here is, is, is more is sweeter than a Moscato. But as far as the category of sweet wine, I would give this wine a 10. Even though it's not my cup of tea, because I'm not, I don't drink too much of sweet wine. But once again, for those that love Sweet wine, you definitely love this wine over here. And once again, you're going to see the image of this wine on my YouTube channel when I give the summary of today's episode. It's all about, as well, on my Instagram, on my Facebook page, and my LinkedIn, you're going to see a very clear picture of the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova under the Season 7 episode number nine so if you like to go to total wine or any other wine store that's close to you you at least have a reference of how the bottle looks like and you can try yourself and if you decide to try any wine that recommended i i recommend it i appreciate this because to my one of my facebook page or instagram page and just leave a comment and let me know how you like it all right ladies so let's jump right on today today's topic so i was doing my search ladies and gents about what's going on with the auto industry and the the strike that the auto workers are doing and i agree a hundred percent with the motive and where in with what they stand for in order to have a strike against corporate greed so let me stop my background music right here so you can listen clear, clearly the first audio video for Democracy Now! related to this situation. President Biden made history Tuesday by becoming the first sitting president to stand with striking workers on a picket line. He joined auto workers outside a GM distribution center in Wayne County, Michigan. You made a lot of sacrifices. You gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well, too. It's a simple proposition. Just about being fair. And folks, stick with it. Because you deserve the significant raise you need and other benefits. So let's get back what we lost, okay? We saved them. It's about time them to step up for us. Thank you. There are now 18,000 auto workers on strike at 41 facilities across 21 states. UAW President Sean Fain accompanied Biden on the picket line. We do the heavy lifting. We do the real work. And though we don't know it, 
That's what power is. We have the power. The world is of our making. The economy is of our making. This industry is of our making. And as we've shown, when we withhold our labor, we can unmake it. Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump's heading to Detroit today instead of taking part in tonight's Republican debate. Trump is scheduled to speak to auto workers at a non-union auto parts maker. To talk more about the UAW strike, we're joined by David Dayen in Los Angeles, executive editor of the American Prospect, who recently went to a picket line in Ontario, California, where striking workers have twice had guns pulled on them by non-union truckers seeking to use a distribution center to move auto parts to dealers. David, welcome back to Democracy Now! I want you to describe that scene, but first respond to President Biden making history on the picket line of the UAW. Well, you're absolutely right. It was historic. I mean, uh, seeing a, a sitting president walking a picket line is something we've never seen before in the United States. And, and the contrast with Donald Trump tonight, who will be uh, at a, a non-union shop that uh, is he was there at the request of management, uh, is is undeniable. Unfortunately, uh, some of the mainstream media are saying that he's talking to UAW workers, that nothing could be further from the truth. This is a non-union shop. Uh, and uh, uh, unfortunately, we're getting this false equivalence. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, the Biden administration has uh, you know, laid down a marker about uh, you know, what they believe should be a just transition for, for auto workers. Just for the record, ladies and gents, Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about union workers. For the record, continue. And, and David, why why has it taken so long for a sitting president to actually uh, uh, put their actions uh, where their mouths are in terms of uh, striking workers? Uh, I think back at the uh, President Obama, who so many progressives uh, believed was a uh, a, a, a an important. Uh, 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 progress for the American politics. His uh, his auto task force guy, Stephen Ratner, uh, has come out uh, uh, basically saying it's outrageous for Biden to take to the UAW picket line and and uh, has criticized uh, the auto workers for uh, making uh, uh, demands that are, are considered by Ratner to be way out of line. Well, President Obama promised to walk picket lines when he was a candidate and then never did so as president. And uh, Steve Ratner was the head of the auto bailout, which forced concessions on the UAW, which they took uh, to try to save the companies in 2009. However, they're you know, well beyond being back to health and have not received you know, any reversal of those concessions. When I talked to workers in Ontario, they told me that they lost their cost of living adjustment. They lost uh, even a five-minute break that you, they used to get to wash up, uh, uh, you know, between shifts. Uh, so uh, obviously, I think I think Ratner uh, is a little embarrassed by the fact that he negotiated these concessions and they've never returned uh, uh, to to the workers, the benefit of the workers. And so that's the mentality, and the mentality of the Obama administration and the Biden administration as far as uh, it relates to worker power, couldn't be more stark than with that comment that Ratner made. 
And I wanted to ask you about the strategy of the United Auto Workers this time around. It's been very uh, unusual compared to previous uh, labor conflicts in that they haven't chosen to send all of the auto workers out on strike at the same time, but have chosen key plants or sectors of the auto industry to uh, uh, go out on the street. The result has been, because as you know, strikes, if they last a long time, they tend to fade in the public consciousness and in the media. But by continuing to keep the industry uh, uh, not not knowing exactly what their next move will be, it's also kept the strike in the public eye. Exactly. And uh, I think when I talk to workers, they appreciate it. It's kept the uh, companies off balance. Um, it has enabled the UAW to play one company off the other. In the second round of this stand-up strike, uh, they went out at uh, parts distribution centers for GM and Stellantis, but they said, well, look, we're we're making good progress in negotiations with Ford, so we won't uh, strike those Ford distribution centers. Uh, so uh, it's it's allowed them to sort of pit the companies against one another. It's uh, uh, kept the companies guessing to where uh, this problem is going to uh, occur uh, in terms of their logistics network, their 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 workflow, uh, and uh, you know it has it has uh, these benefits that you talk about in terms of. Uh, keeping the, uh, the the strike in the public eye. And uh, so until there's an agreement at the bargaining table, I expect this uh, to continue. David Day, and we just have a minute. I want to ask you two questions. One about the guns being drawn on workers on the picket line in Ontario, California, and the other on the close relationship between Mary Barra, who is CEO of General Motors, where President Biden chose to stand with the striking workers. She's been to the White House something like eight times uh, since he's become president. He's cultivated that relationship with her as she leads the EV transition that auto workers are concerned about. Yeah. So uh, where I went to in, in Ontario, uh, it's a parts distribution center for Stellantis. And uh, the, the truck drivers go into the uh, facility to exchange goods so that we they have get 15 out seconds. Dealers. Sorry, David. You got it. OK, so uh, these are non-union truckers They're, uh The Teamsters won't cross the picket line. They uh, and, and so what happened is that the, the picketers blocked the entrance to the doors. On two occasions, guns have been drawn. Uh, fortunately, no violence. All right, ladies and gents, let's jump right on the second video right here. And this is by Mr. Sean. Fain is speaking to all workers and the nation yesterday. Here we go about what was going on with the strike and the, the progress or, or whatever's going on related to that. Good morning, UAW family. I apologize for being late, but mere moments before our Facebook Live this morning, we received a flurry of interest from the companies in addressing some significant bargaining issues. As you know, this morning we will be announcing the next targets for our stand-up strike as we fight for a historic victory at the Big Three. But first, as always, I want to take a moment to honor our members who are already on strike. Together, we're putting the fight back in the UAW and in the entire labor movement. 
A union that's not prepared to strike to win is like a fighter with one hand tied behind his back. Without the strike weapon, the war on workers is a rigged fight. For decades, it's been the same story. Unchecked corporate power. Disappearing worker power. The result is massive inequality across our society. To restore the balance of power, we have to restore the strike. That's what every one of our striking members is doing. Our local 2326 strikers at West Rock Packaging in Dayton, New Jersey, are standing strong for the affordable health care that every person should have a right to. Our local 644 members at Dometic outside Philadelphia are standing up to a global corporation that makes billions in profits but won't pay every worker a living wage. Our strikers at Thombert in Newton, Iowa at local 997 are fighting for work-life balance that every worker deserves. Here in Michigan, our members at Blue Cross Blue Shield are striking to stop the outsourcing that puts CEO pay before patient care. Let's remember that our movement is fighting everywhere, not just in Michigan, but from east to west and from north to south. Our members at ZF in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, make axles for Mercedes when they're on the job. Today they're on strike. They're teaching Mercedes the same lesson we're teaching the big three. Not a single wheel will turn without us. And that's what's happening across the vehicle supply chain. Members of UAW Local 259 at an Infinity dealership in Long Island, New York, faced down the boss and won a new agreement. They called a strike in the morning, and by the afternoon, management caved. Now they have a new agreement with serious gains and no concessions. Our members at Mack Truck may also be hitting the picket lines when their agreement expires at midnight on Sunday. Sadly, Mack Truck is following the same tired playbook as so many of our other employers. They're dragging out bargaining till the very last minute. The company took three weeks to respond to our economic demands, and then they put a long list of concessions on the table. Our members at MAC voted by 98% to authorize a strike. So unless the company gets serious, they're about to learn firsthand that our union's back in a fight, and we're not backing down to anybody. And just down the road from Solidarity House, UAW members at Detroit's MGM Grand Detroit Motor City Casino and Hollywood at Greektown are taking a strike authorization vote as we speak. They're part of the Detroit Casino Council, a group of five unions working together for a fair contract. Following COVID, shutdowns and with throughout Detroit casino workers that faced all kinds of sacrifices. They sacrificed raises. They shouldered heavier workloads so the industry could recover. And now, workers are struggling to make ends meet, even as the industry generates all-time record-high gaming revenues. As you know, we have over 18,000 Big 3 members on strike at 41 facilities in 21 states. That includes over 5,000 workers striking at parts distribution centers and CCAs at Stellantis and GM, 
from California to Massachusetts. These facilities represent a key revenue stream for the Big Three and for years have represented a lower paid tier of workers. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge something very disturbing we've seen on a few picket lines at parts depots. We've heard of multiple instances from California to Michigan to Massachusetts of violence against our picketers from people crossing our picket line. We've had guns pulled on us, trucks and cars rammed through us, and violent threats hurled at us. And I want to be absolutely clear. We will not be intimidated into backing down by the companies or their scabs. Our cause is just. Striking for a better future to protect our communities and to defeat corporate greed is not just our right, it's our duty. And shame on anyone that would engage in this violence against our members. To the public, we invite you to stand with us on the picket line if you support our cause. As you know in our union, we were red on Wednesdays. This is a tradition begun by our union family in the CWA to honor a striking member who was killed on the picket line in 1989. In our own union, during our 2019 strike at General Motors, one of our union brothers was killed on the picket line. Company and scab violence is not new. Our union's been fighting it for nearly a century. We didn't back down then, and we won't back down now. And we know America has our back. This week, we were joined on the picket line by none other than the President of the United States. It was a historic day. We picketed at GM's Willow Run facility, where UAW members built the B-24 Liberator bombers during World War II. Our union was essential in building what was called the arsenal of democracy. Just like 80 years ago, today, our union is building a different arsenal of democracy. But this war isn't against some foreign country. The front lines are right here at home. It's the war of the working class versus corporate greed. We are the new arsenal of democracy. The workers are the liberators, and our strike is the vehicle for liberation. I want to be clear about one thing about the president's historic visit. The most powerful man in the world showed up for one reason only. Because our solidarity is the most powerful force in the world. When we stand together, united in the cause of economic and social justice, there's nothing we can't do. With that said, let's talk about bargaining at the big three. UAW family, I'm going to be very direct with you. Over the last week, the vice presidents and your national negotiators in my office have been working night and day to bargain a record contract that reflects the record profits we have produced for the Big Three. Sadly, despite our willingness to bargain, Ford and GM have refused to make meaningful progress at the table. That's why at noon Eastern time today, we will expand our strike to these two companies. To be clear, negotiations haven't broke down. We're still talking with all three companies. And I'm still very hopeful that we can reach a deal that reflects the incredible sacrifices and contributions our members have made over the last decade. 
but I also know that what we win at the bargaining table depends on the power we build on the job. It's time to use that power. That's why I'm calling on an additional 7,000 members across Ford and GM to go on strike starting at noon Eastern today. I'm calling on Ford's Chicago assembly plant to stand up and go on strike. And I'm calling on GM's Lansing Delta Township to stand up and go out on strike. And let me be clear, and this is important, Lansing Regional Stamping will continue working. Our courageous members at these two plants are the next wave of reinforcements in our fight for record contracts. We are not calling on any additional members at Stellantis to go on strike. Moments before this broadcast, Stellantis made significant progress on the 2009 cost of living allowance, the right not to cross a picket line, as well as the right to strike over product commitments and plant closures and outsourcing moratoriums. We are excited about this momentum at Stellantis and hope it continues. Until then, we will keep building our arsenal of democracy and we will win. Our strategy is working. As the President of the United States recently put it, UAW members saved the automobile industry back in 2008. Exactly. But we made a lot of sacrifices. We gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? We should be doing incredibly well, too. Over the last 10 years, the big three have made a quarter of a trillion dollars in North American profits. Over the last six months, the big three have made a record $21 billion in North American profits. We knew going into this, the fight, into this fight, that the road ahead was going to be difficult, and we knew that it was unlikely this would be quick. To quote the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the arc of moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. UAW family, you are the force that bends that arc. Our anger is righteous and our struggle is just. We are fed up with corporate greed and we are fed up with corporate excess. We are fed up with breaking our bodies for companies that take more and more and give less and less. As of noon Eastern time today, 25,000 of us will be on strike for a better future. To all our community and political allies, we invite you to join our picket lines. To our UAW families still working on the job, keep monitoring for the status quo violations and keep refusing voluntary overtime. And keep showing the companies that you're ready to stand up when you're called. When we win this fight, when we right the wrongs of the past 15 years and longer, and when we set a new course for future generations, it won't be because of any president, not the UAW president, not the president of the United States. It will be because ordinary people did extraordinary things. Our solidarity is our strength. And right now, our strength is the hope of working class people everywhere. Let's stand up and win this thing for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for our country, and for our future. Thank you.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, I'm going to take a quick, quick break. When I come back, I have an audio video about what Donald Trump talked about the unions and the federal workers five years ago that still reflect today's situation as far as unions and works right and fair pay. Your boy Casanova's come back shortly. Hey, stay. And this is going to be the second and final block of today's episode. So let's jump right. And this is a report from the PBS News. Like I say, five years ago, related to what Donald Trump stay, say in the state about the unions and federal work that still apply to today's date. Because this week he went to a non-union factory that was called by the owners to quote-unquote say that he was saving the union, but it has nothing to do with being fighting for union. He doesn't give a shit about union, ladies and gentlemen. So, check this out. President Trump marked Labor Day today by attacking the head of America's biggest labor union. The president said AFL-CIO Chief Richard Trumka spoke so against the working men and women of our country and the success of the U.S. itself that it's easy to see why unions are doing so poorly. Trumpka had criticized the president's strategy for renegotiating NAFTA. White House correspondent Yamichelle Sindor now takes a look at the Trump administration and labor unions. The Trump administration recently ramped up pressure on organized labor and federal workers. First, the president issued executive orders limiting the activities of the unions that represent them. About a week ago, a federal judge blocked that action. Then, last week, President Trump issued a notice to Congress, eliminating a potential pay hike for federal employees. That action is also expected to wind up in court. Now we take a Labor Day look at those stories and the overall state of collective bargaining with Dave Jamison, who covers labor issues for HuffPost. Thanks so much for being here with me, Dave. The first question I have, the president said he's canceling pay hikes for government workers. What is that gonna actually mean for workers and what's happening now? So th this isn't something that the president can do unilaterally. There was, in the, the pay schedule, there was supposed to be a 2.1% pay bump for federal workers. The president said he wants to see a 0% pay increase. That basically kicks the ball over to Congress. The Senate has already passed a bill saying they think there should be a 1.9% pay increase, whereas the House so far has been mum on this, basically deferring to the president. So this is going to set up uh, a situation in Congress where the Senate and the House are going to have to get together and figure this out. And their options are to simply do nothing, in which case the, the president's 0% pay raise would go into effect, or they could try to do some sort of raise. Maybe it's 1.9%, maybe it's 1%, maybe it's lower than that. But then they would send a bill back to the president with a raise that he didn't want to see, and he would have the chance to veto it, but maybe he wouldn't want to blow up a whole budget deal over, over this pay raise. 
Now, as you said, the ball is really in Congress's court now, but how much power does Congress have if whatever they pass has to be signed by the president? Just to add another wrinkle to this, the, the president actually said on Friday that he's, he's going to take a close look at the pay raise issue over the holiday weekend. So there is a chance that he comes back after Labor Day and says, you know what, I've changed my mind. Maybe I do want to see some kind of raise. But really, the, I, I think the ball is, is with the House of Representatives, where you've got a lot of Republicans who normally would, would want to see a smaller government. They want to see lower pay for federal workers. And they're going to have to decide, okay, is it worth really uh, bucking the president on this and, and, and doing some sort of raise that he doesn't want to see. But th there's a lot of political, a lot of political uh, movements here where you've got vulnerable Republicans, especially in places like Virginia, Barbara Comstock, vulnerable in a, in a race right now where she's got a lot of federal workers in her district. So this puts her in an uncomfortable spot where, where basically her president is saying, saying no pay raises. And so there, there's going to be quite a bit of pushback on this. And I want to turn to collective bargaining. The president signed a series of executive orders. Talk to me a little bit about what he did. So earlier this year, uh, the White House issued these, these three executive orders that were really a, a broadside on the federal unions. Uh, uh, one of them would have made it, made it a lot easier to, to fire underperforming workers. Another uh, would have pared back what's known as official time. This is uh, uh, hours that, that union representatives can devote to union issues and do grievances on, while on the clock. Uh, um, and, and these were really seen a, a, as an attack on, on the unions. And so uh, more than a dozen of the unions uh, filed a lawsuit saying that, that this was against the law. And, and just the other day, a, a federal judge agreed, basically said that, uh, that these agencies, federal agencies, are required to bargain in good faith with the unions, and Trump's executive orders would have made that impossible. So the key parts of those executive orders uh, have basically been completely knocked down. And now, uh, you know, unions are, are celebrating what is, you know, a momentary victory in, in, their, in their fights with Trump on this. The administration has said that it would appeal. Where does it go next? It's not really clear right now. On Wednesday, the White House issued guidance saying that, okay, follow the judge's order. But there's been sort of conflicting things coming out of different agencies where, where so the unions in some cases have said they're not following the judge's order. So in speaking with, with the union reps recently, they said hopefully everyone will come back after the holiday and this will be sorted out and life will, will go back to normal. Now, we, we often talk about federal workers as people that live in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia, but where are all these workers that might be impacted by these moves? Yeah, so, you know, President Trump likes to lump in the federal workforce with what he calls the, the swamp. Uh, this, where, but federal workers are very different from, like, a fat cat lobbyist in a steakhouse on K Street. Federal workers are all across the country. And in fact, the vast majority of them are, don't even live in the Washington area. They work for, for agencies, uh, like they work through Social Security, Medicare, uh, the VA. There is not a, a district in the country that doesn't have some amount of federal workers in it. And most of them are, are basically making, uh, uh, earning middle class wages, trying to keep their heads down and do their jobs. And it's Labor Day 2018. In your view, what's the overall state of collective bargaining in this country? I think on paper right now, the labor movement, uh, it looks kind of bleak. Uh, Union membership as a share of the overall workforce is, is basically at a historic low right now, just 6.5% of workers 
in the private sector are actually in a union, and unions are fighting battles all, all over the country. I mean, what's going on in Washington is just one piece of it. There's a lot of fights in state houses now. So uh, they're having a hard time. That said, there are some really bright spots for unions recently. You look at the teacher strikes that swept the country last year. States like West Virginia, Oklahoma, Arizona. Uh, teachers basically shut it down in a lot of cases, won, won meaningful pay raises. You've also got the fight for 15. So there's, there's uh, quite a few victories right now for unions. Well, thank All right, ladies and gents, as you heard all this report right here. And then I was trying to find another video from former disgraceful President Trump that on Fox News... That I tried to find, but I could not find it. But I saw the clip on my on my TikTok related to he Trump talking about oh why give you know if you give a two percent for union right now next time they want four percent and then next time they want eight percent all of a sudden they are making now they say more money than the owners you know what I'm saying so for those that still believe. That Trump cares about the poor people. That Trumps care about the middle people. <laughs> you are an idiot. You are an idiot. An idiot. Because this man doesn't give a damn about you. So it's time to wake up. And then, like I say, people talk about, oh, Biden's too old. It doesn't matter his age. Biden is doing Everything that he's going to do, and he's jump on it, the issues that help the middle class, that means the middle class is going to pour in helping the majority of Americans and also falling down, helping people that need the help the most. Now, another thing when it comes to corporate greed, one thing that just comes to my mind right now, you know what? These companies are just like people that try to borrow some money. Every time that they're about to go broke, they're about to lose their, you know, their business. They come and, oh, please help us keep the, the business ongoing. So let's sacrifice your salary. Let's sacrifice your benefits. Let's sacrifice these, 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 and you. And the employees do all the sacrifice. Meanwhile, the exec executives and the CEOs, they barely make no sacrifice at all. And then... Finally, the company, the business turn around and start finally make all these profits and all these gains. And guess what? Oh, I forgot about it. It's just like people, when they, they need, you know, to, need to borrow money. They come to you. Oh, please help me. You know, I pay you whenever now I saw I get this, this, uh, the tax money. Oh, I saw I'm about to get my next paycheck. Oh, yeah, please help me. The tears in their eyes. As soon as you give them money, and now they got their money back, and they say they're supposed to get back, they don't even say shit to you. <laughs> they don't say anything. They, they try to avoid you like the devil avoid the cross. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. For people that still think that the union workers are wrong, you are insane. Because it doesn't make any sense. The CEOs and all this, I'm just giving an example of the, the, the auto industry companies, okay? As well, and it's go across the board from auto companies to aviation companies. Most of the time, these people that, like I said, they make a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? The CEOs get 
of their, their raises on their salary. Meanwhile, the people are working 12, 16 hours a day, barely can pay their bills, barely can feed their kids. You know what I'm saying? I understand that money is necessary to take care of the, of the living, but it's not it's unnecessary for these ridiculous CEOs and executives to fill their money, their pockets full of money. Meanwhile, the people that really, really do the work, don't give a damn. Don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make any sense. So, I, that's why I'm 100%. I stand with the UAW workers. Because they deserve an all company. And then, that also should be a wake-up call to any job that has a union that should be part of the union. A strong vote for strong leaders. Not the corrupt leaders. Because now when it comes to money, a lot of people get corrupt. So, if you work for a company that has a union, you make sure when it's time to vote, you're going to elect those they're about to rest for a fight. They fight for you, for you to get a, a fair pay. Because you're the one that go home, your back hurts, you know, your neck hurts. All of a sudden, 10, 15 years, you basically has all these injuries right here. You can do anything with your life. You know, you deserve live a life of, of pleasure, of leisure too. You deserve a life of go traveling from time to time. You spend, take your kids with you, eat some good restaurants. You know what I'm saying? Get, stay in some good resorts. You stay, you know, drink some of the best wine that you can on your budget. You deserve that too. Not only the CEOs, you know what I'm saying? Not only the executives of the companies. So that's why I'm 100% in favor of the strike. And I hope they strike hard. Because, like I said, the greatest, it would be even cheaper for the companies to give the pay that they deserve than go on the strike and lose all these millions of dollars they are losing right now. You know what I'm saying? It's simply ridiculous. It's simply ridiculous. So, once again, I'm support and I'm in favor and I'm there praying for all these people in the UAW union because, you know, they deserve. Of the thing, like Biden say, President Biden say, you know, when they were broke, they you guys saved the auto auto industry. Now the executives doing good, doing well. You should do well on your pay and all benefits that you guys got rid of it to save those companies, ladies and gents. And on that note, ladies and gents, I would like to thank all of you people that listen to this awesome international podcast. Please keep sharing with all your friends the link of this podcast. Good wine and great laughs podcasts come all the way from the bottom and move straight to the top, aiming to be the number one spot. Please feel free to visit my YouTube channel, Good Wine and Great Last Podcast. Please leave a comment, subscribe, and click on the like buttons on every video that you, you watch because your click on the like button, that's why on the subscription button, is going to help this YouTube channel to grow tremendously. So I appreciate your support. Once again, this is boy Casanova. Please be safe. Be kind and be blessed and do the best what you can do with what you got. And I'll see you next Saturday. Holla!
for the number one spot. Pushing my back like a push out on the block. Holding my down, suck up, up, get lost. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the top. Coming with the pull up for the number one spot. Pushing my back like a push out on the block. Holding my down, suck up, up, get lost. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the top. Coming with the pull up for the number one spot. Pushing my back like a push out on the block. Holding my down, suck up, up, get lost. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the top.